Hey y'all, I'm Sam. I'm one of the prophetic artists here. I had the privilege of painting this painting a few Sundays ago and it's called Risen. I had actually forgotten that I was supposed to paint. Um, Friday night, I <laughs> was like, oh my goodness, I have to paint. Lord, you have to give me something because I don't have anything in mind. Sometimes I'll get them like weeks in advance. The week before I had um, volunteered uh, in Res Kids and we did painting with the Res Kids and um, one of the little boys painted toast. And I remember seeing it, he explained it to me that he painted it because he liked toast, but thinking that's deeply spiritual. I didn't know why and I just kind of moved on, but I remembered the toast. And as I'm talking to God thinking he has to give me a vision or a word or something, I was pulling bread that I had made out of my oven and heard the Lord say, bread. And so I said consequently, bread? Really? You want me to paint bread? And uh, his answer was yes. And so I immediately went and sat and grabbed my Bible and started doing some research. And it's all about bread. I <laughs> realized that bread is in the Bible 492 times in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Um, and we've all heard that, you know, Jesus is the bread of life and they broke bread in the Last Supper and there's so many instances where there's bread. We eat bread for communion to remember his body, but it's so much deeper than that. And so I started looking into it and in Exodus, it says, Exodus 12, 34, the people took their dough before it had time to rise and wrapped it in cloth and they carried it on their shoulders. So this was when God freed the people from Egypt and they were fleeing and um, their bread was unleavened because it hadn't had time to rise because they had to flee so quickly. And I immediately had this revelation of that's Jesus. This is a foreshadowing for Jesus. The exodus from Egypt was a foreshadowing of our exodus out of hell. And so the Jesus came and he was wrapped in cloth and flesh and he carried our life on his shoulders in the form of a cross to save us. And uh, unlike their bread, it didn't have time to rise because that wasn't the full fulfillment of God. Our bread, Jesus, had time to rise. He folded up his linen, he left it where he was, and he left as a, a full human, fully alive, fully man, still fully God, and rose. So a revelation that a friend of mine had, she's actually also a prophetic artist, um, she said that kind of this part of the painting was captivating her. She couldn't stop looking at it. She felt like the bread was brushed in oil. Now that wasn't something I intentionally did, but it's something that she perceived from my painting, which is something amazing that God can do, as he can speak through the art differently to people. And she said she started doing some research, and she found that um, they didn't always use oil on their bread, but when they did, it was a, um, an offering to the Lord, a sacrifice. And so just thinking, like, I painted bread to represent Jesus, our full fulfillment, our full sacrifice, and she saw oil on it as the ultimate sacrifice. And so there's just so many things that happened. And then I was running back and forth between my room and the living room and telling my husband, it's all about bread. Jesus became flesh. The Word became flesh. And He's our daily bread, meaning that now the Bible is our bread. It's our fulfillment. It's our sustainment.
I'm honored. I don't even feel worthy to have had this revelation. I'm someone that it's hard for me to connect the Old Testament to the New Testament. Sometimes I need a little help doing that. You know, I read it for what it is, but I don't always get this picture of, wow, God was preparing us and pointing to Jesus, his son that he knew was coming. And so I'm honored to have been able to paint this painting. And um, I'm, I'm just so thankful that God used my hands in a way that I didn't think was even possible. And so this is Risen. This is Risen, the painting. You know, Jim Gaffigan said, I don't eat chips and salsa till I'm full. I eat them until I hate myself. <laughs> Some of you can relate. I know I can. There are foods in this world <laughs> that taste really good, but they aren't good for you. <laughs> and if you eat too much of them, you will feel terrible. The world and the things of the world taste good, but they don't fill you. And you always have to eat more to stay in a place of fulfillment. And so really it's a lie. And that's where addiction comes from. But Jesus is the bread of heaven. <laughs> the word became flesh. He is the bread made flesh. In fact, at one point he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. Bread fills you up, but you don't feel bad. It satisfies, it satiates, it nourishes. In Matthew 4, verse 4, quoting Deuteronomy verse 8, verse 3, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Which proves to us that God's word is like bread to our soul. That's what the Lord is saying. You need the bread of God, the word of God to satiate, fill your soul. Without it, you will die of spiritual hunger, die of spiritual thirst. So we don't live by bread alone, meaning food alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. But this does also tell us, I think, that bread is necessary. Can I get a good amen from all the bread lovers out there? All the, all the gluten intolerant people feel so attacked today. I can tell. I feel it in the room. I think this also tells us that perhaps carb-cutting diets are not of the Lord. All right? I'm just going to throw it out there. You can't get enough of God. And yet you can only hold so much. So Jesus taught us to pray. Give us our daily bread. 
Not all the bread I'll ever need my whole life and I'll put it away in a barn and help it not to rot so I'll always have a No, give me today, today, my daily bread. God, give me my fill for today, which would mean you would need to eat God's word how often? every day. Give me my fill for today. Give me a fresh word from your word, God. You know, in the Old Testament temple, in the holy place, there was the holy place, then there was the holy of holies. In the holy place, there were three items. We talked about this a few months ago in a series, teaching series I did called Tending the Lamps. And when you walk in to the left of the priest would be the the lamp stand, which we talked a whole lot about that. In front of him was the altar of incense where he would burn incense and that represented the prayers of God's people and he would stand there and pray. Every day a priest would do these things. To the right was the table of the showbread. And this was 12 loaves of bread that were put out, unleavened bread, that were put out on this table representing the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel in God's presence, God's people. His, his bread, his body, right? Twelve loaves, the body of his people in his presence. And do you know how often they put that bread out and exchanged it? Every single Sabbath day, once a week, so that the bread was always fresh. Look at your neighbor and tell them you need a fresh word from God. Romans 10 Verse 17, New King James Version says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What's interesting about the word of God in the Greek, in the Bible, there's two different Greek words for the word of God. And in this passage here, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That word there in the Greek is rhema. Rhema, R-H-E-M-A is how we translate that into into, uh, English. Look at your neighbor and tell him rhema. Now look at your other neighbor and act like you're, you're trying to hawk up a loogie there and say it the right way from the back of the throat, roll the tongue a bit. Chrema. 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 You can just say rhema from now on so you don't spit on people. What's interesting about the word rhema here, faith, our faith in God comes from the rhema word of God. Rhema means the freshly spoken word. Freshly spoken. Freshly spoken. Look at your neighbor and tell him freshly spoken. Now this is different from the other word in Greek, which we find in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That word in the Greek is not rhema. That word is logos. Logos is a different word for word. Logos means objective, standard, unchanging, absolute truth. In the beginning was the logos, unchanging, standard, absolute truth of God. 
and that absolute standard of truth was with God and that absolute standard of truth was God. That word logos became flesh in Jesus and lived out the logos of God perfectly on our behalf. Amen? That's logos. But scripture says, faith does not come by logos. Faith comes by rhema. Faith comes by rhema. Do you know what rhema is? It's the Holy Spirit speaking a fresh word from God's word. Some of you feel like you're starving in your spiritual life. And the reason is you get into the logos to check it off. I read my Bible today. I came to church today. I did the thing. I did what I'm supposed to do. And you read the logos, but you didn't get a rhema. God's spirit speaks to us. Jesus said, the spirit of truth. He'll guide you into all truth. Jesus said, this Holy Spirit will speak to you. That's scripture. That's written in red. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit can just speak to you. I I just told a testimony a few weeks ago. I'm talking to Samantha about her painting, this painting right here. And as she's telling me about it, I get a rhema. I get a rhema. The Spirit said, that's your sermon for June 26th. The Bible's a big book. How do I know what we should preach on every Sunday? I better be getting a rhema from God to know what logos I should preach on so that the Spirit can give you a rhema through the logos so that you can have faith for today. Holy Spirit spoke to me. He speaks in different ways, different people. Scripture, when we study all the ways the Spirit speaks, he can speak to you in an audible voice. That's pretty cool. That's never happened to me. I know, I know several people in this church who that's happened to. That's pretty cool. I know people who've got saved by the Holy Spirit of God speaking in an audible voice. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I guess God's real. <laughs> pretty cool, huh? Yeah, God can do that. He'll speak in, Scripture says, the Bible says, he'll speak in dreams and visions. And he does. For me, it's usually a, a thought that I know is not my thought, and it's verbatim. So it's the inner voice. It's not audible, but it's an inner voice. It's interesting. The Holy Spirit can speak to you through feelings, can speak to you through impressions. The Apostle Paul said, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. Just this, I just am compelled. I just, the, it's the Holy Spirit. I know that's what I'm supposed to do different ways the spirit can speak to you but I believe his favorite method is the logos because this book right here this is God's story history is his story so if you're dating someone and you want to see if they're your soulmate you have to get to know them right and so you go out on a date to see is this going to work out right Because someone could be beautiful in form and feature, but totally 
empty up here, right? And, you, and then you're like, oh, oh, hey, no, hey, if I got to live with you the rest of my life, uh, you got to have something going up here. You got to have something in here, right? So you want to get to know them. You start with their story. Tell me, who are you? Where do you come from? What's your family like? How, what, do you, what do you like? What do you not like? And then if you are absolutely enraptured by them and you fall in love, man, you will, if, you, if you get in love with them, you will do things for them. Listen, not that you like. If you really love them, you'll do things that they like because you'll do what makes them happy, right? Now, side note here, this one time, uh, my dad got my mom a new golf driver for her birthday. And my dad loves my mom so much that he spared no expense. It was uh, the, the, the newest iteration of the Callaway Big Bertha, all right? Any golfers out here, right? This thing cost hundreds of dollars because if you love somebody, you'll go all out, right? You'll, you'll give them your best, Amen. Amen. And, and you might think that that's the, the moral of this story, except um, my mom doesn't play golf. <laughs> that's a true story. That really happened. So we need to get to know God. Get to know him. And then we love him by giving him what he wants. And because he's God, what he wants from us just so happens to be what's best for us. What's for our good, for his glory. We just sang a song about it just a few minutes ago. But here's something I've learned about God. Because he's father, because he's father, because he's a good father, he doesn't always give us what we want. Because sometimes what we want is chips and salsa. And he knows we'll eat it till we hate ourselves. So because God's good and he loves us, he doesn't always give us what we want. But he does always give us what we need. And you know what you need? You need bread. But not just bread alone. Every word that comes from his mouth the Logos, written word, and the rhema, the freshly spoken voice of God. Don't ever say, God doesn't speak to me, while your Bible stays closed on a shelf, or while your Bible app stays closed on your phone, or while the Bible app stays undownloaded from the app store. Don't say, God doesn't speak to me. If you want a rhema, daily bread, fresh word, from God, a word of hope and encouragement, a fresh word of direction or healing or guidance or breakthrough. Let me just tell you, you need to get in the logos. And let me, let me tell you how to read the logos every morning. You can have a Bible plan. You can say, I'm going to read three chapters. I'm going to read one chapter. I'm going to read. You can, you can do that. That's great. Here's how I would do it. Pick a place to start, start reading, and don't stop reading till you get a rhema. Sometimes the rhema comes for me three verses in. 
and I hit it and I go, oh, wow. Mm. And, and let me tell you, a lot of time for me, it comes through the stuff I don't understand. When I read God's word all the time, I'm like, what is that? That's weird. That seems to contradict that verse over there. Or God, I just don't understand this. And honestly, anytime I come across a verse like that, I go, ooh, mm, mm, I need to chew on that. And then I get out my app for David Guzik's Enduring Word Bible Commentary. By the way, that's my favorite Bible commentary, verse by verse. It's phenomenal. You can download the Enduring Word app and look up any verse and hear his commentary on it. And I'll often go to that when I'm chewing on something I don't understand yet, and I'll read what he has to say, and I'll be like, oh, wow, okay. I'll just chew on it. Or maybe I'll go to blueletterbible.com, which has all of the original Greek word for word next to the English and Hebrew in the Old Testament, and you can click on each, each individual word and see what it means. That's how I can know what rhema and logos are and what they mean, and I didn't go to Bible college to study Hebrew and Greek. Thank God for modern technology. And you can do that too. You can download those apps and you can do that. Sometimes for me, it happens three verses in. Sometimes I read a chapter. I read three chapters. I read five chapters. It just seems like it's, it's dead. It seems like it's not speaking to me. And that's an invitation. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. Until I get a rhema. Sometimes I'll read many chapters and I'll be like, Man, I don't know, but man, way back at the beginning, that chapter two there that I read, there, there was something there. I'm going to go read it again. Some days, what I've been doing lately, uh, change it up. You know, I'm listening to a chapter in Proverbs on my drive up here to the office, to church, and it only takes a couple minutes, and I'll listen to it again, and I'll listen to it again, and I'll listen to the same chapter about eight or ten times, Lectio Divina. Spirit speak, spirit speak, and something new pops out every time, man. Rhema, what are you looking for? I'm looking for the rhema. What do you have for me today? Give me this day our daily bread. Some people, are lazy and apathetic when it comes to God. Lukewarm Laodiceans. Microwave generation. Restaurant generation. You want somebody to restaurant, microwave it for you, give it to you, and it better be awesome or else, eh, I don't care. You've got to learn to feed yourself. You could come in here. It could be Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It could be Outback. It could be whatever your favorite thing is every Sunday. But imagine every Sunday after church, you went and ate at one of those places and that's the only meal you got all week. You're going to be losing some weight. (laughs) Which you might think is good for a while (laughs) until you get emaciated and until you starve to death. You got to learn to feed yourself. You need daily bread, you got to learn how to tune into God. You got to learn how to come in. Why was I sensing three songs in 
that most of this room was still going, eh, you didn't get me there yet. It's not my job to get you there. I was there because I got here an hour before church and I prayed for a half an hour and I was ready to go. I'm there before y'all even got here, entering in to the presence of God. You've got to learn how to do that. You need to learn how to do that every morning, every single morning. You need to start doing it in the morning. Why? Do you want to go the whole day without being in his presence? Being kind of edgy, being kind of a jerk, and then repenting at the end of the day when you do your devotion? Or do you want to get in his presence? Be filled. Get all that joy and peace inside of you. And then be the pleasing aroma of Christ throughout your day. And then just thank him for that at the end of your day, at your second devotion time. I got to do two devotions. You probably need to. (laughs) I don't know if you got to, but you might need to. Jesus said, give me this day my daily bread. You know, some people say, when I read the Bible, it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. And then I go through a week of that, and I'm like, what's the point? (laughs) You know, my wife's an amazing cook. And she makes amazing meals all the time. And I don't remember what I had for dinner two weeks ago. And I don't understand how she made it taste so good, but it nourished me. I don't even remember what we had, but I'm nourished. I'm a few pounds too heavy nourished. I know that's hard to tell, but I am. It nourished me. And on the days when you read it, and you're like, I don't know, it's nourishing you. You know what it does on those days? It's storing up seed. You're storing up a seed bank of the word of God. For the days when you don't have your Bible handed, when you don't have that, and you're in a situation, and all life squeezes you, and boop, Scripture starts popping up. And the Holy Spirit's like, yep, glad you got that one. Here it is. Here's a rhema. <laughs> and you didn't even ask, but you need it right now. And so you need to get in the Word of God, seek Him for the daily bread. The rhema is the empowered logos The Ruach, Spirit of God, the Ruach is what speaks the Rhema from the Logos. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes would have eternal life. Who's heard that scripture before? Pretty much everybody's heard that. That's John 3.16. That's the most famous Bible verse in the world. Even unbelievers mostly know that verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's logos. That is absolutely true. That is a reality that happened in history. Whether you believe it or not, whether you know or are aware of it or not, absolutely true. It's logos. So how do we get saved? Faith comes by hearing the rhema word. You know what the rhema word of God is? I'm trying to give you an example of this. You know what the rhema word of God is? (laughs) 
The rhema word is when the Holy Spirit draws you into a place like this or into a conversation at work or into a Gideon Bible at the hotel you stayed at and you read that verse or your friend says that verse or I preach that verse. And for the first time in your life, you don't hear whosoever. You hear your name. You hear me. God so loved me. God so loved John. God so loved Brian. God so loved Ruth. God so loved Jennifer. That he gave his one and only son. That if Ruth would believe, if Jennifer would believe, if John would believe, they won't perish, but have everlasting life. And when the Holy Spirit opens up that revelation to your heart, you go, this is for me. You start to feel things, probably feel a little emotion, or maybe you feel conviction, you feel sobered. Maybe it's intellectual and you're just like, I believe it. And I don't feel all emotional, but I'm, I'm going to, I need to get saved because I don't want to go to hell. That's how I got saved at 10 years old. It was a very intellectual decision. My cousin's like, you don't accept Christ, you go to hell. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> oh, I knew I was a sinner at 10. Believe me. Our kids will come and confess things sometimes and they're feeling horrible about it. And I'm just like, you know what? I understand, and, and uh, I'll let you off this time. But uh, don't do that again. And they walk away, and I'm like, I was such a horrible person as a child. <laughs> Thank God that's the worst thing they're doing. At their age, I was sinning so bad. <laughs> I knew I needed it. And when my cousin, you know what we were, you know how I got saved? I wasn't in a church. It's behind my grandpa's barn. Underneath this old apple tree. You know what we were doing? We had tobacco sticks and we were, act, we were acting like they were swords fighting each other. And we got all hot and sweaty and we took a break and my cousin had just got baptized and we started talking about it. And he said, yeah. I'm like, why'd you do that? What's that all about? And he told us, yeah, if you don't, you don't accept Christ, you're going to hell. It's like, Mwah. I got a rhema. <laughs> Sometimes a rhema is like a tobacco stick over the head. <laughs> if God over takes a tobacco stick in the spirit and hits you over the head, just know it's because he loves you. <laughs> it's hard for you to kick against the goads. We used to take tobacco sticks and goad the pigs, tell them where to go. Nope, not that way. Smack them right here. Oh, that way. Oh, this way. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. When you don't listen to the Holy Spirit's gentle whisper, that's when the Lord has to grab the stick. (laughs) Discipline you. Stern discipline awaits those who leave the path. Why? Because he loves you. Because you get off that path, it leads to destruction. God goads some people and they get mad at him. They get all bitter. They come to church Sunday after Sunday. 
and they sit in bitterness against God because they've gone through suffering. And sometimes the suffering is their own fault. Sometimes the suffering was someone else who did something to them that was never God's plan. Sometimes the suffering is an evil demonic spirit who hates your guts because you're a Christian and he's attacking you and he's oppressing you. And there's something in your life allowing that. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and give the devil a place in your life, a foothold. A foothold goes long enough, it grows into a stronghold. You can be a Christian on your way to heaven and have the devil have influence and power of your life and keep you bound up. That can be spiritual, that can be emotional, that can be mental, that can be physical. This is the word of God. So just because you're a Christian and you said the prayer and you're saved, good. But if you got a lot of life left to live and you're suffering, I want you to know that's not God's will for you. If you have to suffer, it's his will that you suffer well. But sometimes, oh, there are so many doctrines in the church today, teachings of men that allow people to sit in suffering. And the truth is, it's because it's easier to sit in your suffering than to believe that that's not God's will for you and to seek him for healing and to seek him for freedom. Do you think it's God's will that someone sits in a pornography addiction? Yes or no? No. No. Do you think it's God's will that someone has a demon in their life oppressing them or is possessed or whatever, however you want to say it? Do you think that's God's will? And yet the disciples couldn't drive out the demon. Remember that story? They couldn't drive it out. And they came to Jesus. Why couldn't we drive it out? Well, you know, if it be thy will. You know, I mean, sometimes it's just, we don't know God's will, guys. And so I'm just gonna, just gotta pray. And you know, maybe that's the cross he's meant to bear. He's got epilepsy, he falls down. We'll just pray for him. Pray that God gives him strength and let, let it be thy will. You know what I'm saying? Is that what Jesus said? No. It's because you guys don't know how to pray yet. That's why. You don't know how to pray. That's the problem. You don't know how to pray because you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith because you have unbelief in your life. That's the truth. I got good news for you today. I got enough faith for everybody in this room. If you just got a mustard seed and you're willing to let me pray for you today, I believe God will set you free. We have a ministry team that's got faith. Know how to pray. If you got enough faith to let them pray for you, I believe God will set you free today. Why are you rubbing your leg in your pocket? Because I feel the power of God up here. <laughs>
And if you stuck your finger in an electric socket, you try to sit still. So if I shake a little bit, don't know what to do with myself, it's because I feel the power of God in this place today. And I can't contain it. Because some of it's for you, and i got to get it off of me. Jesus. Yes, God. There's power in this place. There's freedom in this place. Holy Spirit of God is in this place today. I got good news for you today. I spent more time praying into the invitation than I did preparing what I was going to say. And so the Lord's going to move in power today. They asked the great theologian Coral Barth if he could sum up his whole theology in a single sentence. He had written several books on theology, dense Bible commentaries. And he said, I believe I can. And it's something I learned at my mother's knee. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Do you know that Jesus loves you? Because the logo says it. Have you had a rhema of it? You're holding in your hands the symbol. You're holding in your hands communion. You're holding in your hands the body and the blood of Jesus. And this isn't just a snack time. We take this to remember something significant. Paul said in Corinthians 4, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you, that Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. He was saying, not in remembrance of the Passover lamb of Moses coming out of Egypt, because as Sam so beautifully said, their bread wasn't risen. It was unleavened. It didn't have time to rise because it was not the fullness of God's plan. So don't, when you take this in anymore, this was Passover. This was the Passover meal. When you take it from now on, don't, and whenever you do it, you don't just have to wait once a year. You can do it whenever you want. And whenever you do it, don't remember Moses coming out of Egypt. Remember me. It was before the cross. They didn't have a full revelation till after the cross that his body was nailed to the cross. His blood was shed. The blood of the lamb, which covers them so the angel of death would pass over. It's a picture of salvation, applying the blood to your doorpost, to your household. Whenever you drink it, whenever you eat it, remember Jesus. And Jesus said, through the apostle Paul, he said, When you do this in an unworthy manner, you're guilty of sinning against the body and blood of God. Now, I don't want that to cause excessive condemnation or shame, oh, fear of the Lord in this place. This church he's writing to was getting drunk at communion time, okay? 
that was wine and they were getting drunk. And he's like, stop it. <laughs> it's not about that. You're not even thinking about Jesus. But he said this. Those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. Verse 30, that is why so many among you, listen, that is why you're not discerning the body of Christ. That is why, that is why, everybody say that is why. The Bible is telling us that is why so many among you are weak and sick physically, he's saying. That's why. And a number of you have fallen asleep, died. But if you were more discerning with regard to yourselves or ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. He's saying this isn't even about food for us. This isn't a snack. This is about Jesus. So we're going to take this in a few moments. Could you put on some, some prayer music, please? We're going to take this in a few moments. Here's what this, we remember he died for us on the cross, right? I want you to remember what that purchased for you. Not just salvation, forgiveness of sin. If you've still got some sin on you or you feel guilty because you sinned last night or whatever, you need to repent in your heart before you take this. Get right with God. And he'll forgive you. He'll cleanse you. He'll purify your heart. But this also purchases for us the possibility of physical healing. By his stripes, by his wounds, we are what? Healed. Healed. Believe it. Believe it. Seek him for it. It also purchases for you and for me authority to be free of every demonic oppression. So if you're suffering from depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, fits of anger, Massive discouragement. I want you to know here today, these things are spiritual matters. The Holy Spirit brings love, joy, and peace. If you're feeling overwhelmed all the time, feeling sad all the time, I'm here to tell you that's not of God. It's oppression at the least. There could be a reason that you're giving it place in your life. Or it could just be oppression. Jesus was oppressed. He didn't give the devil place, but the devil was whisking him around, jerking him around, showing him things, saying things to him. It was not a fun experience. But Jesus knew how to get rid of him. He quoted scripture. He used the sword three times. And then he rebuked him. And he said, away from me, Satan. You need to know how to pray. This purchases for you the same authority of Christ to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you in Jesus' name. And so we're gonna take this together. And I've been praying 
that people who need healed today will be healed as we take this, that people who need saved will be saved. As you say, I believe in you, Jesus. I want your forgiveness. I want you in my life. I've been praying that people that need set free will be set free as we take this today. Amen. This is the body and blood of Jesus. So take a second. Examine yourself. If you need to repent, repent. And then just thank him. Take a minute. Do that right now. Just thank him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Repent if you need to repent. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. This is the body and blood of Christ. Jesus, we thank you for your body and blood today. Let's take this together in Jesus' name. Amen. My words are spirit, and the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. Thank you, Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. We ask you to come right now. If you're on our ministry team, I want you to come up front right now. Just and uh, just uh, line up the front here and prepare to receive some people who are going to come and receive prayer. And uh, we got a few words we're going to share. And uh, there's someone here who has severe headaches, and I feel like you uh, you feel it on the left side of your head, mostly on the left side is there who is that let me ask you that who is that is that somebody here who's willing to admit it anybody get severe headaches on the left side mainly in the back okay can you here in a minute I want to pray over you I believe the Lord's going to heal that today uh Ruth I think we have it Ruth has a few words uh she's going to share and if these, I'm going to ask you, if any of these are you, I'm going to ask you to come up and receive prayer today. And I'm going to invite some others up. Yep. Go ahead. A young lady from our ministry team sent these to me this morning. There are at least two people who have wanted to come up for healing aside from our words of knowledge time. But you're scared. Today is the day to step out in faith and trust in God's love and mercy for you. Don't let the enemy's whisper of what if hold you back anymore. Jesus said, it is finished. Yes, God. Second, these words of knowledge we share every week are Jesus asking each individual person. Yes, God. Do you want to be healed? Yes just like he did to the man at the pool in John 5. When you hear someone say the condition or issue you've been dealing with, Jesus is saying to you, do you want to be healed today? Yes. Let me say that again. <laughs> Jesus is saying, do you want to be healed today? Yes, yes or no? There are no other questions he has for you. He is standing in front of you, speaking to you. He loves you, 
and he wants to heal you today. Yes. So do you want to be healed today? Do you want to be set free today? If that's you, you are wrestling in your heart and you say yes today. If it's a physical healing issue, if you wanna be healed today, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right now. If you have depression, anxiety, any of those types of issues, I'm gonna ask you to stand up right now. I'm gonna ask you to stand up. Do you wanna be healed today? Do you wanna be healed today? Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask everyone standing to come up front and get prayer here in a second, okay? As we dismiss, okay? And uh, I'm gonna pray over you. I'm gonna pray over you right now. And then you come forward and receive ministry from our team. Yes, God. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for your presence. Fill this place. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. I apply it to everyone who has stood. And God, I ask for healing right now in the name of Jesus. I command healing over these people. I say be healed in Jesus' name. I rebuke the power of the enemy that has held these people bound. If their issue is physical, if it is mental, if it is emotional, whatever the issue is, I command the presence of the enemy. I take authority over the enemy in their life. And I command the enemy to leave now in Jesus' name. And I command the healing presence of the Spirit of God to flood into the places where the enemy was. And I command the Lord to bring healing now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, enter these people. Fill them with your power, God. We're in the throne room. All things are possible. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. Thank you, Lord. Woo! Thank you, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. You're so good, God. We love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you. Thank you for the blood, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your rhema. Thank you that you speak to us. Even when we don't ask sometimes, you meet us and you speak and you draw. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.